Let me ask you a question. Do you have a deep knowing that you're only just scratching the surface of where you're capable of taking your business growth? Are you successful but have some invisible hurdles that are slowing you down? Business growth comes from creating and implementing strategies and frameworks, but strategies and frameworks on their own will not take you to the level I know you desire and are capable of. Living in alignment with your unique human design will help you to attract the abundance you are ready for. And I've just created a free guide to help you understand your unique human design blueprint. It's called the Human Design Advantage, and you can get your copy over at samanthariley.global forward slash advantage. We've been talking about really paying attention and understanding your customers. And, and, you know, your customers will actually tell you what they want, what they need, what they like, what they don't like. And if you're able to hear the messages being conveyed, it's like your customers will always tell you what next. There's always opportunity for growth if you're, if you're really paying attention to what your customers are saying to you. Thought Leaders Business Lab is for you, the business owner, entrepreneur, the expert in your field who wants to be seen and heard as the influential thought leader in your industry. My name is Samantha Riley and I've been building and growing businesses for over 26 years and I've learned there are three key areas to your success, your mindset, your talents and the people you surround yourself with. Each week, I interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they have used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. So joining me on the show today is Patty Mara, who's worked with hundreds of entrepreneurial owned and operated businesses to reposition them for success, increasing their growth, customer retention and profit. She's the author of Up Solutions, which we're going to talk about later in this episode. And fun fact, her theme for 2020 is wings. Welcome to the show, Patty. Pleasure to be here, Sam. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Now, before we even do anything, tell us what wings means. I love this. As soon as you said it, I was like, oh, let's talk about that before we even dive in. Sounds good. Well, actually, somewhat inspired by listening to your podcast earlier this year. And certainly, you know, we're in this magical period of time that it's not just the start of a new year. It's the start of a new decade. It just feels like there's expansive. Mm. Mm. And so um, my theme for last year was lean in. Yes. That literally that whatever I need shows up in front of me. Just my job is, my goal is to be in action and moving forward. And then uh, wings, what came up for me is it's time to take flight. This year is all about taking flight and literally opening and spreading my wings. I love that because you've been around, I'm going to say around the traps, you have been doing your thing for a really long time. So over 20 years, if I've got that right. And I just want to touch on what you said there, that it doesn't matter how far into our journey we are, we still know that we're capable of more. And I think it's super inspiring that someone's been that like you, who's been, you know, doing your expertise for over 20 years, still knows that there's so much more to give and that you're going to take flight this year. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Absolutely. I actually think it's a bigger future. You know, it's like everything gets compounded and a bigger future given the past. Absolutely. It's the, as my friend Matthew Paddy says, it's the ripple of impact. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. What do you share with us before we dive in? What it is that you actually do and the kinds of clients that you work with? Oh, great. I have focused working with entrepreneurial owned businesses that are being commoditized. 
Mm-hmm. So what's actually that's interesting. I've even worked with companies that are being heavily commoditized, so they're being squeezed on price, mm-hmm. and help them reposition, re shift their business model so that they're aligned with the value they provide. I think your products and services are the vehicles, and most people define their business by what they sell. And really, I think that's just a vehicle for you to create value. So reposition that and then have your team understand the value, the positioning of the business so they know how to deliver that consistent on-brand experience, that, that experience. Because again, if you, if you define what you do as you create the solution for your marketplace and then your team can't deliver that consistently, you're back to being commoditized. Mm. Um, and the other hand, is I've also worked with clients that are going through rapid growth. Interestingly enough, the two ends of the spectrum, but it's the same process. It's aligning for solutions, and then how do you create the structure that delivers that? Wow. Now, I, what I find really interesting, and I'm really looking forward to diving into this, is that word commoditized, I feel like I've used in the last two months more than I've ever used in my whole entire life because I'm seeing, especially in the coaching and consulting space, there is a very fast shift shift into this space, I feel more so now than ever before. Are you seeing the same shift? Yes. And, and interesting, I see it with coaches and, you know, in the 80s, you didn't hire a coach. And no, now, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing. It just wasn't a thing. And now it's, it's almost assumed. And again, if you're calling yourself a coach, you're being commoditized. Absolutely. And it's the same for any industry. Again, you might offer, you might sell coaching, but that's just the vehicle for you to deliver value. You really need to define your space, who you work with, what value you provide, what's the impact for your target audience, and how do you communicate that? Uh, it's, you know, the rule of thumb, I actually think there's some new business rules, and part of that is if you're not clearly communicating why choose you, people choose the lowest perceived price. Your customers don't even have the questions to ask to make an effective buying decision, regardless of what you, your market is. Your mm. customers don't even have to think about, don't know the and they don't know they don't know. Mm-hmm. So if you're not out there front and giving people the reason why that, that's appealing to your market, then they choose the lowest perceived price. It's the only, only metric they have to go on. Mm. Now, before we dive into the new business rules, which I know is something that you talk about a lot, can you give us some ideas on the words to use instead of coach? I'd love to hear your, your take on this. Sure. Well, so I'll use myself as an example because I'm a business coach. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, there's a distinction between a coach and a consultant, and I've been more yes. on the coach, coach role. So I've, when I first launched my online program, 12 years or so ago, it was the profit generated program, uh, turning your customer experience into profit and looking for what there was, where are the profit centers of your business. And that was positioning, you know, what I do rather than as a coach, I was delivering this program. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm currently I'm in doing a whole reformatting right now, part of the launch of this book. And the name I'm sitting with right now is the business breakthrough catalyst. Mm, love so it. That's the shifting okay. point. Uh-huh. So, Again, the words, the words have come from people who have either said to me or they're the words that customers are, are saying. In fact, the Profit Generator Program actually came out of a prospect call that I was just you know, doing an exploratory call with um, a potential. It was uh, a two-person run company, and they had been really heavily squeezed, really heavily commoditized for a couple of years, and we're looking for a shift. 
through the entire call when we were talking about what was the challenges, what did they see as the opportunities, you know, the strengths they have to build on. And throughout the whole thing, the one of the partners just kept saying profit, 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 profit. So at the end of it, he said, you know, Patty, can I, you help us? I said, oh, yes, I have the profit generator program. <laughs> I love Made it. Made it up in the spot. <laughs> I love it. And I I really want to highlight what you've just said, because pulling the vocabulary that our prospects are using is, is the most valuable tool in our, in the way that we market our business and using the vocab that people are using on, you know, sales calls, discovery calls, whatever, whatever you call them is the best way. Because if you're getting your ideal prospects on a call, they're just feeding you the information that you need to be able to, to use that language. So I, it's something that I always mention to my clients, write those words down, keep an, you know, keep them on a piece of paper next to you all the time and use those words. So that's fantastic. I love that story. Well, and I think this is also where you want to bring your team in uh-huh. because if your team members are having contact with your clients, your team need to be tuned into what words are your clients using mm. and pass that up. That yeah. has to be a flow through or else you're missing your gold mine there. Yeah, totally, totally. So the new business rules, why don't you tell us more about this? Great. Our marketplace has changed dramatically. You know, the impact of the internet, we have a global marketplace. You and I, we're having this wonderful podcast interview. You're in Australia, I'm in Canada. I mean, now that wasn't possible. Mm. So the impact is that, you know, I can purchase something from anywhere in the world. I can source something from anywhere in the world. I compete with people from all over the world. So we're Mm -hmm. in this global marketplace. And, you know, what was true was most of the businesses 15, 20 or more years ago were local. Mm -hmm. So if you needed something, you went out to the local shops. Mm -hmm. Now, most of us get online. I think there are really fundamental shifts and new business rules and two predominant ones. One is that there's a shift from sales to solution. Mm -hmm. So it's important that, you know, you need to know what your numbers are, but the focus needs to be on providing solutions, not getting that sale, but what's the solution you provide. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is from transactions to relationships. Mm. So listen, the big box stores, the national, international businesses, they make their business on transaction. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. I think, I think a lot of times business owners are playing the wrong game of business. Mm-hmm. They're trying to compete with you know, brand names, if you will, big box stores. Mm-hmm. And then trying to compete on price, which means they're being commoditized. Mm-hmm. And the shift to that is that the big box stores actually can't play their game of business mm-hmm. because they can't, they don't have the time and personal attention or team development to focus on providing solutions to anyone they're interacting with. And then once you've gone through one sale, one transaction, the focus needs to be what's the ongoing relationship. And again, that's not the game that the chains can play. Mm, mm. So I can see this playing out a lot in retail. Obviously, you know, Amazon is the, you know, the big obvious choice here. And, you know, you go to Amazon because you don't care who you're buying it from because you're not actually buying it from Amazon per se. It's, you know, Amazon sellers and you're not loyal to those buyers. You just jump on Amazon and you find the cheapest price and you buy it. Or anyway, that's what most of us do. (laughs) But I feel that service industries 
um, are a little bit different in this way. Can you give us an example of, of this same situation, I guess, in a service for a service-based industry? Sure. Well, clients that I've worked with in the past um, had a carpet cleaning business, mm-hmm. as an example. And it was a huge piece because they're commoditized per square foot. Like, what are you charging per square foot? People, the first thing they do when, you know, somebody answers the phone is, what do you charge to clean carpet? Mm-hmm. The response to that then is, in order to answer that question, let me get a little bit more information so we can make sure we're taking care of what you need. Mm-hmm. So, and and they've 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 done a wonderful job of uh, actually some innovative where they took it, literally creating the idea of positioning yourself as a solution partner with your target customers. They took it to the next level. They had uh, commercial clients and residential clients, and with commercial clients, they created zone cleaning. Mm-hmm. So they would go into a business, determine what their need was. Was, and you know, was it clean because of health for the for the team? Was it the business, the importance of the business view for the appearance for their own customers? What was it? And based on their need, they identified zones. So maybe one zone needed to be cleaned every month, but another zone could be cleaned every three months or six months. Mm-hmm. And then they set up a year-long contract, and it completely took them out of having to compete and be commoditized every time the a business, a local business, wanted their uh, carpets cleaned. Mm. That's perfect. Really helps understand that it's when people are asking how much is it that mm-hmm. that's not actually what they're asking. What they're yeah. asking is, can you offer the solution to the problem that I have? And I think that this is, I agree with you, such a big opportunity for people to really tap into, you know, getting clear and, and where that also provides an opportunity, which it might not sound like an opportunity straight up, but I think if we flip this on its head, if you get someone ringing and asking for the price and you actually find out that they're not an ideal client, that actually is a big win for you because you're able to not take on a client that could be, you know, what I call a D client, a client that is going to be unhappy, ask for a refund, um, you know, not get the success. You may be able to point them in the direction of another service provider that can help them better. So I think it's really, you know, it's so important to actually ask what it is that they need so that not only can we make the sale, but potentially actually turn them away. Yes. Well, I love that you said that, Sam. For business owners, I think, you know, we want to work with our A clients, right? Mm -hmm. The best fit clients that um, we want to work with, they appreciate working with us and they're willing to pay us, right? Mm -hmm. Our Mm -hmm. A target clients for the level of capability that we have to offer. I think, flipping that, is I think everyone deserves to be someone's A client. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So your job is to make sure you're working with a client and exactly what you said, you can help them find where they're a better fit, but mm. please don't take them on. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's just, it's a lose-lose from both sides. Yes. I'm sure we've all had D clients and just thought, oh, that was just, that was yes, just painful. The guilt, the guilt. Yeah, not good, not good. So you talk about playing the right game of business. I'd love you to explain what do you mean by the right game of business? Mm. And that that's kind of going down the path that those business rules so that you're focusing on selling the solution, creating a result, and building a relationship. Mm-hmm. I talk about that, you know, the idea of turning your team into heroes and your customers into raving fans. Team members want to be, we've gone through some dramatic shifts, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're beyond the point of paying team members as piecemeal. Daniel Pink for me, did a brilliant job in his book, Drive, that what motivates people today in today's 
world is purpose, development, and autonomy. Mm-hmm. So you want to have your team members need to have purpose, which means it really makes a difference if they understand the value they create mm-hmm. and they know how to do it. So literally setting your team up to win, then they feel like heroes and your customers are just blown away. One of the great examples was somebody I worked with who had a motorcycle shop mm-hmm. and one of his complaints was that people would come in to get a properly fitted helmet, which was something the owner of the shop was passionate about. You know, his complaint was that people bought helmets that matched the bike Mm -hmm. rather than made sure it was protecting, you know, the head. Mm -hmm. And so he was passionate about that. They would spend time properly fitting a helmet, and then the person would leave the store and go buy it online for $40 less. Mm-hmm. So we talked about we created a, a you know package. What name your process? Name your protect your head fitting process, yep. and save your life fitting process, and you know charge fifty dollars for it, uh-huh. right? And then give them a fifty dollar coupon to buy it in your store. Mm. Now the moment the team are empowered in that way. That, again, this is playing the right game of business. What do you do for people that's unique? And often the challenge is we often take for granted. It's easier to think that our business is what we sell because we tend to take for granted the value that we create. So that it takes some work to uncover that. And I'm going to go back, Sam, to something you said, which is the importance of tying into your customers' words. Because mm. if you talk to your customers, they'll tell you what they appreciate what they value, why they come back, what was the, what impact did that purchase make? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Now you talked about the purpose or that team, the team member understanding the purpose. I want to dive into this a little bit more because I think that especially with virtual teams, which a lot of us have, mm-hmm. a lot of people struggle with this more in helping their team understand that purpose and maybe understanding the context of what they do more so than we did have 20 years ago when we had our staff sitting next to us. Mm-hmm. What is a way that we can really, or what are some tips that you can give us to really make sure that our team has their purpose, but also understands the purpose of the company? Oh, that's great. My team's virtual. Um, yeah. And I love working virtually. I actually don't work as well with somebody in a close office because I'm easily distracted. <laughs> <laughs> so I really like the virtual team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I, it, this goes back to regardless of you, you have a team in an office, you're in a retail space, you have a virtual team, it's how do you need to set up your team to win? Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to feel like they're winning in their job. And just like it's important for us to focus on the solution we provide for our customers in communicating what we do, we have to do that with our team too. What's the context? We always have to set the context. It's too easy to fall into tasks. Mm-hmm. Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? But you haven't created the context of why this is important and what are the success criteria? What, what are the outcomes that I'd like this task to create? Mm. So really it's delegation skills. Yeah. And a book that I read years ago, and I, I think this is a book that you'd have to get online because it was printed sometime in the mid-90s, was Donna Jeanette. And the book is, If You Want It Done Right, You Don't Have to Do It Yourself. Ah, I already like the title. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it, it's a simple parable book, but it, she talks about the six different components of effective delegation. And here's the thing, that's a skill set for us as the entrepreneur to make sure that we're, we need to be communicating, you know, the context, the task, 
the measured outcomes that we're looking for. Mm. Uh, and that's our job. And the time frame, it's the thing I always forget. The time frame, you know, let people know when are you expecting that back. Totally. So that, that was a really pivotal book for me. And here's the thing, I'm not perfect. So one of the things that I do with my team is empower them. If I miss out, if I miss out details, please ask. If yes. I haven't told you why this is important, please ask me. If I haven't given you the deadline, please ask me. So I empower them because I'm not always on my game. That's right. That's what I say to my team too. Like we're all human. We all make mistakes. So, and I make them just as much as you guys make them. So I like that empowerment. And I think that it's an important part. And especially when we're dealing with different cultures, because they don't necessarily ask those questions. And that's actually something that a lot of people tell me, but they don't ask questions. They just don't do the job or they just don't do this or, you know, they cover it up. And I say, but have you set that? like right from day one that I understand like actually acknowledging I understand this is your culture but this is the way we're going to do it here and that I want you to ask questions it's okay to make decisions it's okay to you know collaborate if you don't know what it is go and research it and then ask don't ask first if you haven't researched but you know it's okay to do these things and I, I wanted to touch on another point that I just, just in case other people have slipped over this, that you were talking about the skill set. And I think it's really important piece to pull out of what you were talking about, that the skill set isn't necessarily always what the job actually is, but the skill set in being able to manage your team and to make sure that they're doing the jobs is a skill set in itself. And that yeah. we don't need to know how to do everything. We just need to know how to be able to hand that task or delegate that task and make sure that it comes back finished. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and direct the communication you need I like the way you said that, Sam. It's, it's in my mind, I, the visual I have is bridging the gap. Mm -hmm. And we need to bridge the gap with our customers that we think from their perspective, and we need to bridge the gap with our team that the communication, it's not just words out, is it, is it heard, received, and can be used. Yeah, totally. So what are the key mindset shifts between the uh, – or for the business owners and the team members to get these business results because, you know, we've just touched on it very lightly there that we need to start thinking about things quite differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there are three, I've certainly seen three key mindset shifts. The first is to embrace the opportunity and change. Mm -hmm. um, every industry, you said this at the beginning of the, of the interview, you know, coaching is being commoditized right mm -hmm. now. There is an opportunity in change. And so sometimes wherever we're feeling squeezed, it's kind of like, how can I look at this differently? What's the opportunity in this? You know, what, do, what, what are people saying they really need now? And, and mm -hmm. flipping it, kind of like the motorcycle helmet process, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That was, you know, didn't have that issue before people were buying online, but when they're buying online, all of a sudden that was an issue. How could we deal with it that's empowering for the business? So embracing, that is a mindset shift, embracing that you don't get stuck. The second one is what we've been talking about, really paying attention and understanding your customers. And, and you know, your customers will actually tell you what they want, what they need, what they like, what they don't like. And if you're able to hear the messages being conveyed, it's like you're customers will always tell you what next. There's always opportunity for growth 
if you're if you're really paying attention to what your customers are saying to you. And then the third mindset shift is the value and wisdom in a business that, you know, your team members, if, if you've got a team member that's been with you for more than three months and they're having regular interaction with customers, they're an expert compared to your customers. Mm-hmm. And that's back to that the customers don't even know the questions to ask to make an effective buying decision. So just asking probing questions that guide somebody through the decision-making process, that alone creates a huge amount of value because you help someone make a right fit decision, a right fit purchasing decision. Totally. So those for me are the top three. That, and that's the owner and the team need to embrace that. Mm-hmm. I want you to help us understand how to navigate a situation that we all have, and this trips a lot of people up, is the difference between what customers need and what they want. Because you just mentioned, you know, we want to give the customers what they want. I know that there is, what's an example? I get a lot of calls from people that say they need Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. And at the time they're reaching out and asking about Facebook ads, that's actually the worst thing that they could be doing because they haven't got their messaging right. They don't, they, you know, they're not clear on their product or their program. They're not clear on who their ideal client is. So whilst I could give them what they wanted and put up a Facebook ad, it's not going to get them what they need, which is a return on investment and leads and clients. How do we navigate giving customers what they need, but still giving them what they want? That's a great question and a fabulous example because it's pretty common right now, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone Mm -hmm. thinks they have to be advertising on Facebook. If you're not average, you're not doing it right. That's a great question. And that's back to, I think, that's customers don't even know the questions to ask to make an effect. They don't know what they don't know, so they don't know to ask. Yeah. And that's. That's the same thing as somebody calling up the carpet cleaning company saying, what do you charge per foot to clean carpets or per room to clean carpets? It's the Mm -hmm. same thing because they don't know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's part of our job. It, there's a, it's always going to be a process. There's some kind of a discovery process. Whatever your business is, asking the questions you know to ask, asking the questions that help someone guide them through what's the appropriate. It's like I could give you information on Facebook advertising, but I'd like to step back and just do a check-in and see, do you have all the components in place that make that successful or not? Mm. So this is really where we we as the service provider needs to be really 100% committed to helping our clients and knowing that we're the expert, knowing that we actually have the answers and not being afraid. So I think what happens a lot is people are afraid to lose a potential client by asking those questions, where in actual fact, we need to be coming from a place of service and making sure that we're offering the best solutions. Yeah, you just touched on something, Sam, I think that's really important, which is, I think this is a trap we get into when we think what we sell is our business. Mm-hmm. And we're feeling squeezed and commoditized. Mm-hmm. And we then start feeling unsure of what we do. Mm, oh, my goodness. I know. I, I can't wait to hear where you're going with this. <laughs> well, and it's, 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 it's almost like the two sides of the coin, because the flip of that is going back to who do you like to work with? What do you, you know, what do they need? And what's the solutions you know, to, you know, who you like to work with? What solutions do you bring to them? And sometimes it feels like semantics, but it's a completely different positioning. And when you come from that place, that's powerful. No one else does what you do, mm-hmm. but we tend to take it for granted, mm-hmm. especially if we feel like what we sell rather than our 
is our business rather than the results we produce. Mm, love it, love it, love it. So you, uh, I mentioned earlier in the episode, you're the author of Up Solutions, which is turning teams into heroes and customers into raving fans. I'd love you to talk to us. What is an Up Solution? Oh, that's great. Well, it's a little bit of a play on words. You know, we talk about upselling, you know, the McDonald's, would you like fries with that? Mm -hmm, Well, mm -hmm. upselling is how do you create a larger transaction? It's all about the business. It's nothing to do with the customer. Mm -hmm. Up solutions is all about the customer. So it's literally the flip, almost like the other side of the coin again. Uh Up solutions is, and I, I have a recipe in the book, and the recipe in the book is applied observation. So what do you already know about somebody coming into your business or talking to you on the phone? Uh, you know a lot about someone because of what you do and, and what, you know, just, just having them interact with you, you know a lot about them. So applied observation, probing questions, which often are just the questions to help someone make a buying decision. Mm-hmm. What information do you need to know to make a good recommendation? So which step three is the up solution, which is your recommendation. The up solution is what's the solution you're creating for their needs and they feel like it's all about them. Mm. And then step four is, what's the ongoing relationship? So you've created a solution. What's, what else can you do? Is it, is it do you stay in contact with them? Do you have specials? Do you have a continuity program? What, what is there? Do you have a blog? What is it you do that could do an ongoing relationship that you're staying in contact? You, are, you mentioned then probing questions, which we've, we actually have touched on very lightly quite a few times. Is there a way that we can get really clear on what those probing questions are so that they're effective and not just straight out probing questions? Sure. Well, let me give you a couple of examples. Perfect. Uh, one was a friend of mine who shared this story with me. I just thought it was perfect. And I actually share this in the book. Uh, he wanted to put a shelf up in his office. So he went to one of those big storage stores mm-hmm. and he's in the shelving aisle and he's looking at different shelves and he's got his eye on something. And a, a young clerk came up to him and said, can I help you? And this friend of mine, Dan, said, no, I'm fine. Which, you know, that usually would be it. Yep. <laughs> but he's in the shelving aisle, right? Applied observation. He's in the shelving aisle. So the clerk asked a probing question. What type of wall would you like to put the shelf on? Now, as soon as he asked that, he had Dan's attention. As soon uh-huh. as he asked that, because Dan hadn't thought about that. So he said, well, drywall. And he said, well, what do you want to put on the shelf? What, what would you like to have on the shelf? Probing question. Mm-hmm. You're just asking questions, specific questions that help someone make a buying decision. But again, Dan didn't even think, wasn't even in his conscious. Uh-huh. So at the end of the day, he made a recommendation because of this type of wall, what you want to put on it, I'd recommend this shelf. He walked out, Dan walked out buying an $85 shelf. He had been looking at a $25 shelf, mm-hmm. but happy with the purchase. And um, now it's a, he's a raving fan. He's telling people that he told me about the story. And the opposite would have happened. Had he not been helped, had he bought the $25 shelf, chances are within the month it would have fallen off the wall and he would have just thought that's a cheap store. Yes. They they sell cheap stuff. Yes. I absolutely love that you've brought this up. This is the exact conversation my husband and I were having yesterday saying that when, when you know that you have the exact right solution for your problem, you almost don't, almost don't care how much it costs because right. at the end of the day, when you buy something that's not the ideal solution, it ends up costing you more anyway. Not only are you unhappy, but you're right that what happens is 
whether this is right or wrong, you connect that wrong decision with the purpose, you know, with the business that you purchased it from, even though it might be no fault of theirs whatsoever. So I absolutely love that case study that you shared. And I hope that the listeners can really apply that to, you know, when you're listening to this, how can you apply those principles of the probing questions to sell your products to make sure that you're able to serve your clients in the best possible way and give them the best possible outcome. Love that. So what are some of the key skills and the awareness that you need to bring to create a on brand experiences because you talked about that just a little bit then yes team members it's a again a shift in thinking for the team members to be aware of the results of what they're doing not just what they're doing Mm -hmm. so to shift from tasks to results or solutions Mm -hmm. and the and the purpose what you know their role in that and the rule of thumb there's a front stage and a backstage to your business and there's an on-brand and an off-brand experience that you create I like those thought models they're Mm -hmm. actually from two different books Mm-hmm. Uh, the Experience Economy by Gilmore and Pine, the experience, uh, front stage, backstage, and Branded Customer Service by Janelle Barlow is on, on brand, off brand. Just mm-hmm. fabulous thought models for your team to really grasp that their role, especially when, and front stage just means anytime you're in contact in a store, great, you're in a store. Um, but if you're on the phone, it's being on the phone or Zoom or anything like that. Anyway, front, front stage could be an email you send. It could be your website. It could be texting. Whatever that is, you know, your Facebook ads, that's all front stage of your business. So for the team to understand what they do and how, what they, how they do their role, their tasks, makes an impact on the end result. Uh, one of my favorite examples is, because we all experience this, you're going into a store and somebody is, their job is to stock the shelves. Mm -hmm. And they think their job is to stock the shelves. But if they're stocking the shelves when the store is open, their job is customer service. Mm-hmm. And you'll get, you'll, you can see the ones who understand that, they're looking around and, can I help you, can I help you, while they're stocking the shelves. But the ones that don't are kind of like hiding. Mm-hmm. They're on the front stage. So ev- everything, it's, it's, again, it's, that, it's a, that awareness. And your team needs to be tuned in on that. And it's back to having them be tied into the purpose of the business. What difference does the business make and how do they, their role fits into the, creating that difference for your client base? Mm, love that so much. Now you have a touch point scorecard. Um, I would love you to talk about that a little bit and how that relates to the people that are listening. Great. So the touch point scorecard is a tool. We all have the ability to look at our business from our customer's perspective and it takes a little bit of mental gymnastics to do it. <laughs> so, especially for our own business, you know, like I uh-huh. do this with other companies, but I have, I need some help when I'm doing it for my oh. own company. Don't we all? (laughs) Yes. So the tool was created to be a reference point to guide you through looking at your business from your customer's perspective. And it it could be simple as rating your business card. Mm -hmm. What's the experience you create with your business card or your receipt or your invoice or your website, right, or your voicemail? What experience does it create aligned with the business, the solutions you create, the value of your business? And rate yourself from 1 to 10. So mm-hmm. part of it is identifying the touch points in your business and then going through, and it's a great team exercise 
to go through and say, you know, where do we think we are? What are some improvement ideas? Because usually it's just little subtle things. Um, I had the experience. I did a, a walkthrough with a, a client of mine who had a, who was a pharmacy owner. He owned three pharmacies, and I was doing a walkthrough, and I looked up, and just below the ceiling were all these screws and wires just hanging, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was from Christmas decorations. Ah! So they took down the Christmas decorations, but they left this wire and these screws up, and they don't see it because they're there every day in mm-hmm. and out. Nobody saw it, but their customers do. Yeah, so exactly. So that's, that's the purpose of the Touchpoint scorecard. I love that. I'm a big believer that we can't read the label from inside the jar. And we were talking about themes earlier in the episode and mine was refinement. So I'm going to jump on and grab a a copy of that because I think it is great. You know, I've been in business for a long time like you have, but it's still fantastic to have someone else actually say, hey, Sam, have you looked over here for a while? And you're like, oh, what? Under that little dusty rug over there? No, I hadn't thought about that for a while. I think it's fantastic. So, Patty, for people that have listened to this episode and they want to stay connected with you or they would like to purchase a copy of Up Solutions, how, can you please share how they can do that? Absolutely. Uh, just go to my website, uh, which is pattymera.com, and that's P-A-T-T-I, mera.com. You're welcome to go there. And, Sam, should I talk about the special how to get access? Of course. To of course. Great. So we've created a special link for the Thought Leaders Business Lab podcast, and it's if you go to pattymera.com forward slash thought leaders. So that's pattymera.com forward slash thought leaders, and that will take you to a page that's set up for you, and you can download. Um, there are four different versions of the Touchpoint scorecard. You can choose the one that's most relevant for your business and then be guided through how to use it. Love it. There's, you've just provided so much value in this episode and a lot of these things that you're talking about are so important and a lot of people just think, oh, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll get to that tomorrow. But you know what? In business, I can tell you, in 27 years, my to-do list has never ended and tomorrow never comes. So this is great to really help us realize how much of um, an importance that these things are in a business and how they can really affect our bottom line. And that every now and again, you know, we do have to stop and sharpen the axe and take a breath and really pay attention to what's happening in our business so that we can move forward and create something that is well, not just a purpose business, but a legacy business, something that's going to be around for a long time to come. So thanks so much, Patty, for sharing everything that you have today. I very much appreciate you. Uh, An absolute pleasure to be on your podcast and and, uh, have the interview with you, Sam. So thank you.